Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Derek, welcome back to another episode, Brands Made Meaningful. Today we're talking about differentiation, visual differentiation, which is a little bit different than just brand differentiation across the board. This actually came up, we thought it was kind of like a, of course you have to be different, but we've had a lot of conversations with prospective clients that that's not their motive. Their motive isn't to be different. They don't quite understand the reasoning for this. So it justified us having this conversation. There's a sentiment of me too, that people identify another brand that they see as successful in in their opinion might be in their field or their industry it might be i mean people always we get this all the time well if we could just look like nike apple or target we'll crush it well you probably just picked you know three of the most throw starbucks in there three the three four of the most recognizable consumer you know brands in the world and we'll just look just like them without the marketing budget that allows us to actually help create brand awareness of who we are so i'm kind of joking but we hear it more often than not when we get to the visual part of brand development where instead of holding up the competition and saying this is who's out there how can we stand apart from them they there's a sentiment of how can we look like them if we look like them then we'll then we'll be successful. People love to see a game and try to win it. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people with different budgets, different resources, different everything trying to beat Nike at Nike's game. Um, there's trying to be a lot of people that try to beat Starbucks at Starbucks's game, uh, especially visually. And that doesn't make any sense, especially to me. I'm sitting here going, why would we want to be anything like them? We are nothing like them. And it just has this sentiment of we can be different because we are different. One of my favorite moments in a conversation with a with a customer or a client is, and maybe I brought this up before, it's when they say, and you usually answer first, they, they, they ask the question, so now that you now that you know we're, we've had, we're having a conversation with you, we're starting to talk with you and, and we're understanding what's on the table, um, what do you think of our logo? Yeah. What do you think of our look? I love that question. And how do you usually answer? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's good or not would be the answer. Um, I think if anyone gives you an answer, and I've said this before on this podcast, is if anyone gives you an answer right off the gate, then they don't really... They don't really care about your problems. They they're, don't really care about what's going on because they're just making knee-jerk reactions because they, they're assuming a lot of things. And so, yeah, if anyone ever goes, do you like the way our brand looks? I would say, I'm not sure because I don't know what your strategy is. I don't know what it's trying to represent. I don't have a thorough understanding of the story that it's uh, that it's trying to tell. However, when we get through the process and if our process is broken into three phases of strategy development and activation once we get through strategy and they ask me that question i give them a very clear answer of this is working and this is not working and here is why because of the strategy that we've put in place and how we're trying to communicate ourselves in the market there's uh that knee-jerk reaction is goes right back to our slogan purpose over preference um it's a knee-jerk reaction to aesthetics 
to I like it, I don't like it. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's all a cosmetic style answer. And I don't believe that now a graphic designer can say I like it because it, you know, that you might feel like it has some successful creative components to it, but you really have no ability to create, to, to, to strategically answer that question in a meaningful and thoughtful way until you know the story. We were in a meeting with a client that, uh, we're talking about visual differentiation. We're looking at all their competitors, looking at the marketplace and saying, wow, like we're having a conversation about color, specifically about color. I also don't come from an artistic background. So for me, the conversation about color is look, we need to talk about this and take all, all of our previous emotions out of it. And, and this one person on their team could not do it. They did not like the color orange. I don't know if you remember this conversation, but they did not like the color orange, but orange was a great option for them. It made sense with the story they wanted to tell. It made sense with the market. There wasn't anyone in orange there at all. And so someone on the client's team said, I just don't like orange. I just, it, it, I would never put that in my house. And someone on his team, they go, grow up. This is not about you. This is about your your ability to market yourself in in a crowded marketplace that if you use orange and it tells the right story and it connects with people the right way and it can help you differentiate, then that is the way that we need to go. We cannot be making decisions because you don't personally like a color because the brand probably isn't for you. And that's where we got into this big visual differentiation is bigger than just your personal perception. So when you say person preference is less than purpose, that is what I think of every single time when someone goes, grow up. This is not about you and your little weird things about color or your weird thing about not liking this shape or something like that. It's a hard, it's a hard hurdle for a lot of people to get past is that oftentimes your brand isn't for you. It's for your customers. And are you actually a customer of your business? Do you, if you're a hockey organization and you're creating hockey training products for people who play hockey, are you a hockey player? If you are, you have a deeper connection and ability to answer that. But if you're a CMO that's been brought in to market this company and grow it, and you don't have a personal background in hockey, how do you, then that brand's not for you, it's for your customers. And some people do have really good experience as being their own customer. But I would still say you need to understand that there's more than just you in the marketplace. And sometimes being your own customer is a hurdle. Sometimes that actually comes with additional subjective baggage. So I think Seth Godin said, the, to be distinct is to be able to be recognized from across the room. It's a great line. To, to have a visual identity that not only is authentic to your organization, that not only is relevant to your customers, but as we talk about, it has to has an element of surprise or for us, the thing that sets it apart and makes it unique and different and special. And we're talking visually today. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to get into like, what story do you want to tell and talk about all those things. But when we talk visually, we sometimes talk about logo logos, a lot of things that connect with people, but we're talking about things like color, typography, aesthetic, photography, videography, like those type of building blocks that help you create a style that create, help you create this aesthetic. Like you would talk about that makes you feel right. It feels like 
Um, someone even said, one of our designers said, if you could take the logo off of this piece, this material, and it still feels like the brand, then we've done a good job. If you can't, then we aren't visually telling that right differentiated story. So we're, we're kind of jumping into this already, but to be, to differentiate your brand and your organization and your products and your services so that it looks unique and different from the people you compete with. Why? Why not? I mean, we when we, we worked with a golf club recently and a rebrand, and the first thing the owner said was they held up another brand that they liked in the golf space, actually 15 miles away from them and said, let's just create something that looks like them. I love the way that they look. And I think that if we look like them or similar to them, then we'll be successful. That's, that's not, that's not the case. Well, so why doesn't that work is your big question. Correct. Why can't we just do that? We're not gonna, and the quote of to be seen from across the room, to be remembered from that one glance is really a good thing, but it's, it's to be remembered that memory that you can unlock with somebody. If you look different and you stand out in a visual way, you can actually make them go, Oh, I was at this, I was on this website and they had this really great piece and they were talking about this. You start having, it just pulls out emotions in them that allows them to connect the dots between who you are and what you're offering. Um, it can also increase the recognition to say, I've seen this before. It feels like something I've been on before. And that really increases the ability to create trust. If we can build out this great trust piece to say, you've seen us, we are credible, we look professional, we've done a lot of these great things, we've set the expectation that what you are getting is either high quality or different or however we wanna market that. But that expectation setting, I think, is the large takeaway from why are we gonna be different? It's because we're not just like them. So like your example with a golf course, well, our golf course isn't just like their golf course. So why would we look the same? That doesn't make any sense. If we're a local coffee shop and we wanna look like Starbucks, we aren't Starbucks. So why would we want to look like Starbucks? That doesn't make any sense. Um, unless you take the people who say, well, maybe you should look just like them because you could feed off of their brand recognition and stuff like that. What you end up doing is just helping them increase their brand recognition because now you just feel like another one of their stores, another one of their places. You just feel like another one. Um, and that can become really dangerous for people because it starts feeling like you're a knockoff instead of being an original and that can hurt if you have a killer story great messaging a rock solid strategy a plan the right people a great product if you don't have the ability to have all of that stand out to be memorable to first of all create the awareness of that for people to understand why when they're going to buy that product or service or come to your golf club to even remember that it was you that they were thinking about and not somebody else that was similar, yeah. then you haven't taken a step. I'm not going to say you failed. You've done a lot of, but to do all of that, right. But then to, to overlook the, the visual opportunity is when you end up getting lost in the crowd. So if you're frustrated because your marketing's not working again, if the greatest message isn't presented in an engaging visual way 
um, it's going to be lost on a lot of people. There's a theme around our office in the last month. This has really come up a lot with projects, with internal work, with other things. Do it the right way, not the easy way. And what you're talking about is that. Um, You could have the best of everything. And it's easy to be just like everybody else. It's super easy because you just say, you go to a designer and you say, I want to look like just like that. And then they go, sounds good. And then they make it just like that. And then you're like, cool. Now we look like we belong in this marketplace. That is easy. But what's right, which is most of the time harder to do because it takes more work. It takes more emotional fortitude to do what's right versus to do what's easy in the long run you'll feel a lot better about your decision. People will understand who you are. They'll understand why you do it. They understand how you're different and they'll appreciate where you're coming from versus trying to hold you up against the competitor and say, okay, so I'm not really getting the big difference here other than you say you're cheaper and they they are more expensive, but everyone uses them, so I don't get it. So some of those things, it's like if you can do it the right way, it'll pay off in the long run. I think I told the story as we kind of come into the, the the red flags that if you're listening to this, you're probably already thinking of, of some red flags or symptoms or things that you are experiencing that are pointing to the fact that um, you have an opportunity to do better with your how you look. I may have told this story, but recently I was um, a friend of mine retold the story of playing golf they were they weren't golfing they were at a, a sports bar and somebody had a golf logo on their chest but that it didn't have any type with it it just had the symbol and a person who was also a golfer came because golfers identify with each other it's very tribal came up to that person really excited and said oh my gosh i see that logo on your shirt that logo is either for and he listed off four or five golf clubs in the area and said, well, which one is it? And some of these were are really yeah. high-end exclusive clubs, some really killer golf course architecture, golf course design. And these four or five clubs, the culture and the membership at all of these are completely different. But visually, this person had no idea which one was which. So as a member, as a fan, as a customer, Pay, oh. A paying yeah. member who's emotionally invested, who's financially invested. What yeah. a what a buzzkill! How are you supposed to feel good about that? Yeah, I think that that goes a long ways, and I think it sounds super easy. It sounds like okay, so whatever. But that kind of impacts the way that you look at things. Is to say, then why are they even belonging there in the first place? So that that scenario was our number one red flag: brand confusion. Yeah, brand confusion, and I've said this before, it's like when they hold you up against somebody else and they just don't get it, they'll most likely go with the one that has the more more credibility. And so that, that most of the time, especially if you're following, is not going to be you. This is a big one at retail. Go to a retail store and look at three, four, or five different brands of the same or similar product on a shelf that are in front of you. This is a really important role there specifically in which one which one are you drawn to which one tells the best message which one looks like it's telling the story that's most relatable to you the next one would be brand recall which i think if you go back to the grocery store answer it's like someone goes i really like the peanut butter at your house what peanut butter do you have and you go i have no idea 
It's just peanut butter. I wouldn't even be able to tell you how to get it again because I don't know what it is. That's a problem. Especially what was that you, restaurant that you guys talked about last week that just crushed the service? You said it was the yeah. best burger you ever had. Yeah. And you're like, well, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I could tell you the street that it was on, I think, but I don't know. Yeah, and that's a, that's a problem. I mean, you could take it out of that like super consumer mindset to say even there's people who we would say, hey, you used to work with this marketing firm. Um, who was it again? And they would say, I don't remember who that was. Well, that's a problem, um, and that's a bigger than just visual problem, I can tell you that. But there is a part of that that's visual is that they don't have that stark understanding of like who you are, and they can put a picture to your name. That's a huge deal. Uh, when you can start remembering people's names, it's because you remember their faces a lot of times. So you can kind of see them, um, or at least a lot of people are like that. Back to the beginning of the conversation, you've created recognition, you've created memorability, and now and yeah. now you know the difference and what they stand for and how to relate to each. Another one is the competitive edge. If you look like everybody else, then how is anyone supposed to believe that you're any different than them? And that can be super hard to deal with, especially as like a marketing leader is to come back to somebody and say, oh, we're totally different. And then be like, um, sure you are, but you don't look different. And that's hard for someone who doesn't understand the nuances of your business to really capture the difference. Especially if you've done the backbreaking work of positioning yourself in a unique way. I think positioning is, I think answering the what we do and who we do it for is one of the hardest questions to answer in business. And if you've done that, but also then haven't taken the step to position yourself and how you look and how you present yourself, you're going to start running into competing on price. Yeah. And if you look at that premium nature of things it confuses the brand messaging too if you look so premium then why do you look just like this other brand or if that brand brand is premium and your strategy is to go more of a value-oriented strategy then you coming back and saying well we look premium because they look good and that's what we want to do and it's like but that's not what you're selling so that kind of inconsistency within what your strategy is versus how you look can create a huge red flag for People who are just, I just don't feel like this is authentic. I don't feel like this is real. If your consulting services cost six, seven figures, if your golf course, golf club, um, or private club costs a hundred grand to join, or if your knee brace costs two hundred and fifty dollars, does the visual packaging, does the logo, does the way that you present it represent? that value that level of value yeah and you'll see people when they complain about it that they might be complaining about certain things most of the time when people are complaining about price it actually isn't the price it's the perceived value that you've given them that makes it feel like this is a ripoff and that's a huge difference to say you're not overcharging you're just under delivering visually and that can be a huge mindset shift for a lot of marketing leaders to be like oh my god most of the time i think we think it People think the opposite. Yeah. Like you look great and I've now purchased your services and they've fallen flat. You sold me a bill of goods. Sure. You that that happens, I think, you know, more often than not, where people don't have the strategy and the actual, you know, great product, great people, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting when that scenario gets flipped. We've worked with lots of product brands that come back and they say we have the best product. It is the most durable, it lasts the longest. People love it when they use it, but they still complain about price. And I would, when we work with them and we start building this more premium perception of themselves to start positioning their product 
as not only the thing that will last the longest, but the thing that is the best value, whether the price is the highest or not, you're getting the most out of what you're paying for. People stop complaining about price. It's a really weird balance to say everyone just goes, well, then I'll just cut my prices. And that's not always the answer that, and to your point, it's not always the case that your product or your service is actually the best in the market. And that could be a problem in itself that we probably, we just can't help you with, but that can be something that goes, you, you have more levers to pull than just knock down your price. So how do the, how, what's some solve? I've got a, I've got a, I've got a killer product. I've got a great service. Um, I've got a great team. I have a strategy. I know my target audience. My, my visuals, my logo, my look, our photography, our imagery, our website, everything is currently falling flat and we're having a hard time competing. We're having a hard time establishing a competitive edge. What are a few things that I could be thinking about? We always start with objectives. So I would start there no matter what. That doesn't really help this conversation necessarily, but I would start with going out and saying, what are we trying to accomplish in the marketplace? In short, that's what is your strategy? What are we trying to do here? And then once you do that, I think that your next step is to identify your weaknesses. If I was going to do this, I would analyze what are we not good at? And maybe that actually starts by saying, analyzing your audiences about what, what do they need us to be? What do they want from us? What is our strategy to do that? And then where are we not delivering on that? Do a brand SWAT. Yeah, a brand SWAT's really great. Um, we do these for most of our clients. It's coming out and saying, what are we really good at? What are we not good at? Where are there opportunities for us to position ourselves in a, in a way that no one else can? And then what are other people doing that we do not have the right to win in? And they're doing a really good job that we need to make sure we're not speaking to or trying to lean on because that wouldn't help us in any way. So. If you go out and you analyze your audience, who are we trying to go for and why, and what did they want from us? Then I would start that strategy to say, what are we gonna do to try to get there? And then I would be really critical about what what we have today. And and I'll say that these, well, I, call, I always call them assets because I don't know what else to call them, but they're tools in your toolbox. So if you say logo, if you say graphics, if you say typography, if you say all those other things, those to me are assets. Those are things that we use, we plug and play to try to build a world in which you have the right to win visually. So if you look at your assets in that critical way, then you can start understanding like here are the ways that we don't look the way we need to look. And then I would go after and build those assets. There's a step in, in this process, back to purpose over preference, around those objectives that there are a few things, and I, I don't want to get into the process weeds um, on this conversation, but I'm happy to um, in another time. But there are, there are really helpful ways to put objective guidelines around this to remind ourselves to check ourselves when we get to personal when we start talking about I like I like that or I don't like that my as we look at um, the brand the way that our brand is applied um, and have an understand on how we can be consistent with where we are so that we're talking to our to the right audience um, in the right way because we've identified our weaknesses and our opportunities there's a when you when you have a, an understanding of the perception that you're trying to create, the reputation that you're trying to build, and the story that you're trying to tell, there are a few ways to 
basically the question that I like to ask when you're reviewing your creative isn't, do you like it? The question is, is this meeting our cri- the criteria that we established? You, you're going to like it or you're not. You can't help it. We're people. Um, sure. You're attracted to a color or a typeface or whatever. But the more we can also add in, does this reflect the mission statement? Does this hold up to when we compare all of the, the logos of the close competitive set? Does this actually, can, can we put this in that mix and does it stake its claim? Sure. Does it look different and does it look better or different or unique? I think that this is really hard. It's okay to admit that this stuff is really hard because it sounds easy. It sounds like we should pick a color. There's only so many colors in the world, right? We should just be able to pick one. It sounds easy. And I totally empathize with that because I am not a designer by nature, but it's way harder than it sounds. And people need help making decisions and having, and what I would say is if, if you go through this and you find yourself finding that struggle, you need to ask somebody, whether it's reaching out to someone like us, that that's awesome. And I would always recommend people reach out to us, but if you can't, and if you're like, you know what, I just need a little bit of an opinion here, get an opinion from a customer, get an opinion from someone who actually buys from you that you might know, but not really, really well. What you want to do is limit the amount of bias that's sitting in there for your personal lens. But don't ask, when you ask that customer, which I think is uh, the number one thing I would do, yep. I wouldn't even ask your team first. I would ask your clients, don't say, what do you think or do you like our brand? Tell them the objectives of who you are and the story you're trying to tell. And then the question is, is how we're presenting ourselves telling that story? Yeah. Yeah. Don't, that's a good point. Don't ever ask someone if they like it. That is like, we terrible question. always try to sit with people and say, are we, are we doing what we set out to do? That is the goal. And if we can do that, then it's going to be great. It sounds like, you know, adding process and adding steps and method and meaning to the creative process makes the final creative less impactful, less yep. cool, less unique. And it's actually exactly the opposite. The more meaning and purpose and objective you can build in on the front end and the more direction and clarity that you can give to whoever you're working with who's actually going to create and design these materials makes their job way easier so that instead of guessing on style and color and picking stuff, which ultimately will be what their own personal preference is, they're doing it really, really intentionally. Visual differentiation is a tool. That is, it is a strategy. It is a way that we are moving forward. It is something that we utilize in order to make a brand memorable and distinct. And if we can use it properly without our internal biases holding us back, then we can really find a successful pocket in a marketplace to sit and to own. And that is the ultimate goal. So if we keep moving in the direction of being really critical about the way that we look and being really critical about the way that we show up would be another way to look at it. How do we show up? Whether that's with the materials that we put out there or it's the way our website looks or reads. The way that we show up is a direct expectation being set to customers. I hate the the phrase, but people do judge a book by its cover. Yeah. 
I'm starting to like that phrase more and more as we keep talking about it. I shouldn't say hate. I'm coming around to it, uh, to how it's actually used, but it's your first, it's oftentimes your first impression and you need to make it right. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it sounds bad, but it's super true. Being able to come out, come at this and saying you have less than seven seconds to do something, your brain can only do so much in seven seconds. So those first three words, those the first visual, it communicates so much. Like when people say pictures worth a thousand words, I mean, it is right. It, there's this level of it communicates so much about who you are, what you're doing, all these great things. It, it when, when people say people judge a book by its cover, it sounds like a vanity play or yeah. it sounds like a shallow kind of cosmetic application. But, you know, got an F1 race coming up this weekend and the, the engineering and the muscle and the thought and the investment that's gone into the engineering, the, the engine and the components of that car um, are, are incredible. Actually, F1's not the best example. A consumer car would be better. Imagine having a Formula One car with a Honda Accord as the exterior shell. Are you telling the story of what's actually underneath that hood to the audience that is looking for, for you and what you do? Yeah. And I like a little tease on what I think another conversation would be is the same is true with the name of your organization. That's the a big topic. Brand. Yeah, Let's talk about that huge. soon. But like everything we've talked about today is just as true for the name of your organization. Let's talk about the name one soon. Until next time. Thanks. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark, guiding marketing leaders working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more, visit susner.com.